This is the Sideline Slice, presented by Valentino's Pizza, the official pizza of the Huskers. Here's your host, Jessica Cootie, and Husker Radio Network analyst, Jeremiah Searles. Welcome into a Halloween edition of the Sideline Slice. Alongside Jeremiah Searles, I'm Jessica Cootie, although we do not have Halloween costumes on. But it's always a fun topic that we talk about because you have young kids. You guys are, are going to do some Halloweening tonight. We are. You know, it's going to be cold. It's going to be windy. But, you know, adapt and overcome. <laughs> so we're going to bundle the kids up and we're going to go out and do our thing. The, uh, Oliver wanted to be a knight, so he's got a little knight, little Why toy sword. Knight? Um, I think it's because we watched or he saw us watching Lord of the Rings and he liked the guy with the sword that was wielding it around and he knows that he's a knight. So he's a knight. My daughter is going to be a princess. Um, our son's going to be a little, our little son's going to be a little dragon. And then Emma and I are going to be king and queen and we're going to waddle around in way too many clothes and eat way too much candy and try and stay warm. Still, uh, you still, are you saying it's still not going to top though the Fairberry? The hot dog? Never. Nothing tops a Fairberry <laughs> hot dog. I mean, especially when I had that a few years ago with the basket and the props. I mean, yeah. that was that was a top-tier costume. Hey, listen. So the other day, the hot dog launcher guy asked me to shoot one out, and I've always wanted to, but I was, like, in the middle of trying to listen to there was something big that was going on on the sideline at the time. And so now I'm just, like, waiting. I've got to get it done the next time. I've got to shoot that thing. You've never launched a hot dog? No. Oh, it's a blast. It's 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 a it's a core memory. I mean, it, it's one of the things that like you're on your deathbed and they're like, "What'd you think?" Like, I shot a hot dog in Memorial <laughs> Stadium from the Wiener Launcher guy. I've got like, to, it's I've awesome. got to do it. I he, yes. he came up and asked me, but I, I mean, again, I was like really dialed in and something that was going on, and so I was like. No, I'm okay. But then I was like, mm. regretted it. I immediately regretted <laughs> it. And then I thought, I've thought about it ever since. So I've I want to fire. Got to get it done. I want to fire that T-shirt Gatling gun thing. Yeah. That thing looks sweet. <laughs> I, I want to know how I get on Will Compton status and get to ride around and just and just fire T-shirts into the stands. There's some there's some fun things to do. All right, let's talk about another win. We we closed the pod last week talking about hey let's make it three in a row and talk about three in a row which. We have not had on this podcast since we started this podcast um, the, talking about three wins in a row. And, you know, I thought there were times that this team was playing their best football all three phases. Now, they, they didn't do it for four quarters, and Coach Rule and the staff have been the first to say that. But there were times, I think, in that second quarter when the offense was really rolling, defense was, was locking things down, there were some big te- things on special teams that I think you saw some, some really great, great football being played on all three phases. Yeah, you know, complimentary football all the way around. You know, obviously, we talk about it every single week. The turnovers have got to get cleaned up. Those are things that when you're playing top-tier opponents, not taking anything away from our last three opponents, but when you're playing top-tier opponents, turnovers kill you. And Rule knows it. He's talked about it. I mean, he benched Harburg because of it, and then Sims came in and turned it over. And, you know, it's one of those things that I believe now that it's gone more along the lines of it's – something everyone's thinking about, which can just make it almost harder to hold on to the ball. But overall, was very impressed with the fact that we able to pass the ball around, the young core of receivers out there making plays, finding ways to come up with big catches and we need them, big conversions. And then the defense just continuing to build strong and strong every single week. You know, every week you're wondering, is this the week that someone figures them out? Is this the week where they finally get a bead on what Tony White's doing? And nope, sure isn't. No, he has this team playing at such a high level, and they're running around with their hair on fire, and everyone is contributing. 
you're seeing big-time plays being made by everyone who steps on that field, and they're still platooning guys all around. And then anytime you can score on special teams, that just can flip the entire game on its head. That was a crucial moment in this game. So really excited about the complimentary football that we saw growing in the right direction. Still a lot of things to get cleaned up, but so much easier to get things cleaned up after a win. I did want to go back to Harburg. So he had gone into the tent. He took a pretty bad hit. He was actually had some blood and, and everything, and he took some big hits. And you actually mentioned this. I remember the first time that he started, and you were concerned about some of the hits that he was taking. You're like, you, you love it as a fan, and you appreciate his willingness, but also um, you also got to balance, hey, we need you out here to be healthy. How, how does that develop for a quarterback? Of he, He's a tough guy. He wants to do whatever he can do. But also, you cannot put your, yourself in a situation to get hurt where you, you did have a situation where Sims came in cold and then he fumbles and it just wasn't an ideal situation for that. So how do you, how do you balance that with a young quarterback of figuring that out? Yeah, he just has to understand he's got to pick and choose his times to be physical as a runner. Right. If there's a safety or a corner that's coming up to tackle you, yeah, lower your shoulder, push his little face in the ground and keep going. <laughs> but if you've got like a D end or a linebacker, no one's going to think less of you if you slide. There's not one person in that stadium that's going to go boo when you slide when there's a 255 pound linebacker coming to smoke you. Right. You have to understand that that is just part of the game. It's why you're a quarterback and not a running back. You are only one on the field. There's only one quarterback on the field at one given time. We need you to stay healthy. We can't risk you getting hurt. You know, I think back to Taylor Martinez, my quarterback. You know, he got hurt and rolled up on, I believe, in the middle of the season in 2010 when he was killing it. And he was never the same the rest of the year because he's a running quarterback. You know, you just have to pick and choose your times. That comes with reps. That comes with understanding. But I also think Rule, Satterfield, some of the guys around him need to be like, listen, I love your physicality. I'm not trying to take that away from you. But just slide. Every now and then, slide. Hell, go head first. I don't care. Just get on the ground so you're not getting absolutely smoked. And that will also help clean up some of the fumble issues as well when you're not taking those big shots time and time and time. One of the, the big things that we, we made note of is, is that uh, Marcus Satterfield moved up to the booth. He'd been on the sideline every other game. But um, he had some really great play calls going on. I, I thought there were some times that the offense was, was really rolling and um, some, some good things that they were seeing that they were taking advantage of that you, we hadn't really seen from this offense, some of those big plays. And now back-to-back -back weeks, we've seen those big, big touchdown throws. What did you take away from, from that? Yeah, you know, it's showing that Satterfield's getting some trust in these young wide receivers. You know, he's allowing them to use their athleticism and allowing them to be able to keep going and develop in, during practice, and he's allowing them to cut them loose. Right? I think the biggest thing as a play caller when you have young wide receivers is you get really nervous of, are they going to be on the same page as the quarterback? Are they going to be able to read the coverage? Are they going to be able to make separation? Am I putting my quarterback in a bad situation trying to throw them the ball? And you're seeing time and time again that these guys are coming out and making huge plays. You know, I mean, Jalen Lloyd having the one long 73-yard touchdown pass, that was fantastic for him. And the week before is Malachi Coleman, and then you saw Jaden Doss have a big catch. And, you know, he's spreading it around, and I know that we only threw the ball 11 times. But if that's what it takes to win, then so be it. And if you're only going to get 11 opportunities to catch the football, let's make sure we make the most out of those. And so 
I thought that Satterfield put a really good game plan together. Emmett Johnson was fantastic running the football. You know, I thought he did a nice job. He averaged over six yards a carry, 5.8 yards a carry. When you can have a running back that's averaging over five yards a carry, that means you're having efficient runs on first and second down. You're controlling the time of possession. You're putting yourselves in good positions in front of the sticks. And just overall on the offensive side, it was more efficient than it's been in the past. It was more just the turnovers that hurt us than anything. I can't believe it's taking me this long to ask you about it, but how about the offensive line? I mean, down three starters in the way that those guys stepped up and – I know um, Coach Roll was was uh, really high on those guys, and but that that's not easy to do. We dove into it a lot last week, but how did you like the play of those guys? Yeah, you know, I thought they played really well. You know, overall, I was concerned about how some of the double teams might fit, how some of the stunts might fit. You know, but when you ask a young offensive line, an inexperienced offensive line, to only pass protect a true 12 times, that really helps. And, you know, that's because of how much they earned the right to not have to pass protect. You know, everyone talks about having quarterbacks that can throw it and run. But as an O-lineman, you really don't like pass protection. Like, <laughs> you, you do because you know it's a part of the game and you know you got to do it. But I would much rather put my hand in the dirt, look some dude across from me and be like, oh, yeah, you know I'm coming. Like, you know, you know this is happening. Like, this car wreck's about to happen in three, two, one, whack. Right? Versus when you're on the other side and you're pass protecting and they're platooning guys in and they can pin their ears back and they have the advantage because they know it's third and long. You know, you just want to beat guys up physically in the run game. And I thought that they played really physical. I thought Ben Scott played one of his better games as an offensive lineman here at Nebraska, which we needed him to do having two, um, two new guys next to him. So overall, really happy for those guys. And Bryce Benhart just continues to be steady Eddie there over on the right tackle side, having his best career games as well. So... You know, and again, this has been a topic of discussion that you and I have had so many times over the past three seasons about the changing of offensive line coaches and how hard that is specifically for that group. The hardest position change when you have coaches at that spot moving in and out, and it just does not allow guys time to develop. And you have talked so much about this, but how much is that what we're seeing and being able to sub in those next three guys and them being able to, you know, hold their own and, and slide right in. How much is that a product of, hey, here's two years now with the same offensive line coach and buying into what he, he wants them to do and just understanding all of that part of it? How much is that just complete fruition of now we have some time with the same offensive line coach? Yeah, you know, hats off to Rayola and his ability to coach that entire room. It's so easy as a coach, especially in college, when you get your starting five and then your two kind of swing guys to really be able just to focus, be like, I got a game plan. I got to get these seven guys ready to play. Like the assistant line coach can help with the development of guys that are running the scout team, all that stuff. But I think Rayola did a great job of throughout spring ball, throughout training camp, of coaching that room in its entirety and understanding that the Big Ten is a war of attrition. It's going to, guys are going to get gained, dinged, guys are going to get lost for the season. It's just the nature of football. And he knew that because it's happened to him in the past here. You know, he's been in the NFL where it's happened. And he knows that he's going to need everyone in that room at one point in time to be able to contribute. And when they walk on that field, there cannot be this drastic drop off from the starter to the backup. Like it has to be 
a little bit of a drop off to be expected, but it can't be a drastic drop off. And this week, um, you know, this week it was not a drastic drop off. It was not. Now we will get tested a little bit more against Michigan State. They do have some better players up front, in my opinion, than Purdue and Northwestern had. So I will be very curious to see if these guys can do it again because, as you've heard me say on the show hundreds of times, the definition of a good O-line is consistency. And so can they grow off of what they did last week and how they came out, and can they get some confidence and some swagger, go on the road, operate, first of all, stay on sides, understand the silent snap count, and operate well together and while still trying to get that dominant run game going that we need to have. It's just pretty amazing how, you know, you've said so many things that now we're starting to see come to fruition for this offensive line and, and having an older group now that are bringing the younger guys along. And, and it's just, it's not just one, it's not just an individual. It's just so important, the overall group. And so Turner and Nuri go out and yet Turner's over there in a boot and crutches and he's coaching guys up and he's coming over the tight ends and the running backs and telling them what he's seeing and trying to get those guys, you know, on the same page, the, the offensive line and Nuri's standing right next to Rayola every single play. I just, I was, and we've heard so much about this group, about how close they are and the chemistry that they have. And, and you said that a lot of it, those stories that you're hearing mirrored some of the, the lines that you were on here. It just is, it just continues to be really impressive to me, that culture and, and everything that we hear, you see it now, you know, you're starting to see it. And I just, I think that's really, really important when those guys up front, and as you've said so many times that they're the leaders of the group and they continue to be, even though they can't be out there on the field. Yeah. I mean, we are our own organism as an offensive line. We operate within our own set of boundaries. We are kind of separate from the team, even though we are completely, the, there's five of us on the field at one time and we know we're the leaders of the offense, but when you shut those doors and you get inside an O-line room, there's just a different type of feel of how we care for each other, how we love each other, how we hold each other accountable just within that room. And when you see it when it's not in, in, in the white lines, but you can see it when it comes off the field, for example, like you said, you got Turner over there, you know, Piper wanted to be there and, and guys are loving up on each other and, and pushing each other and going. That just shows the development of a culture inside of that room and you can't have a winning football team without a winning offensive line it's very simple and yes these guys know that there's things they need to clean up on and things they need to be better at but when your building block foundation is we're in this thing together we're working together we'd love each other we're going to fight for each other no matter who's out there whatever five is out there it's five guys equaling one working as one one wrong all wrong one right all right when you can have all those things going for you as the foundation then you can start really building on the technique, the fundamentals, all those things that lead into being a consistently good offensive line. Love it. All right, game balls, who would you give them out to? First of all, I'm going to give it to the entire defense again. I mean, I'm going to give it to the entire defense, but specifically I'm going to give it to Jamari Butler. I'm going to give it to Jamari Butler. He had the big block on the field goal, um, and also he is really becoming a good pass rusher. He had half a sack last game. He's starting to affect the quarterback more. He's a guy that's moving inside, moving outside. He's putting it together and he is becoming a really good weapon to be able to take some pressure off of Nash and take some pressure off of Ty and allowing guys like Lenhart to have some single blocks, not getting doubled because they're going to have to double him. And if you can get doubled to the lineman, that's almost like a badge of honor, right? Like, hey, they got to slide to me. All right, boys, that means there's one-on-ones across the board for everyone else. Go win, right? So that's a, he's a guy that I think has been very consistent. And then I'm going to give the other game ball to Evan Jenkins. You know, he's a guy that I thought played really well for coming in there. He filled in well last game. 
got his first full week as preparation as the starter, his ability to go in there, and I thought he did a really nice job. Not surprising, the backup center usually knows everyone's position better than everyone else. So, you know, there was no MEs that I saw from him. I thought that his pass protection was good. His run block was physical. Uh, his pulls need to get cleaned up a little bit, get some tighter on his pulls. But for his first start, I thought he did a great job. Valentino's, a slice of home you just can't get anywhere else. What started with a treasured family recipe in Lincoln, Nebraska, has become a classic Italian tradition for 65 years. One other thing I've, I've got to ask you about, I mean, you, you say this as a key almost every single week, but Tristan Alvano hits a 55-yarder. Brian Buscini mm. continues to be Boom Buscini. I mean, that is just huge, right, when your kicking game is, is uh, doing those kinds of things. Well, when points are at a premium, uh, you know, there's no doubt this offense is struggling to put up big numbers on points-wise. Anytime you can put three points on the board and have a defense that is playing the way they are, it gives us the advantage, right? And I don't care if it's a 20-yard field goal or a 55-yard field goal. We got to be able to knock those through the uprights. And that was a huge confidence boost kick for him. And that fires up the whole team. And when you hit a big kick like that, it's really a momentum booster for the entire team, right? The defense is fired up. The offense is fired up. But it's the equal. You miss a big kick like that, it swings all the momentum back over to the other team. They get good field position. They're getting ready to get a chance on a short field. So really excited for him. Then Buscini's just been such a weapon. Man, he's been such a weapon. He's one of the best punters in the Big Ten. Uh, I mean, it helps that he's probably punted a lot. Him and Iowa's punter, I think, are tied for up there in the tops and punting. But, you know, when he can just consistently go out there, he's had some shaky starts early in the year, but he's bounced back from that, been able to flush it. Um, that's equally important with the specialists because those guys are all head cases anyways. So when they can just flush it and continue to be weapons for this team, that's going to pay dividends off for us as we go into the month of November here where things get snowier and colder and windier and all those things that you love being a sideline reporter. All right, let's, I know, right? Uh, don't, <laughs> don't remind me of that. I just was going to just glaze over that, but, man, I can just say, that was really cold. I, I did pretty good on my layering. I'm, I'm starting to learn how to, what to do, but my face was still cold last week. Um, mm -hmm. Let's talk Michigan State. It is going to be a little bit warmer there, I think, more, more my, my speed. Um, but they're 0-5 in conference, what, 2-6 and six overall. But you said, and, and Coach Roll mentioned this too, I mean, they are physical up front, and despite everything, all the drama that's going on, they still continue to fight. It's kind of like what we said about Northwestern. Northwestern is, has won more, but you know, they've managed to keep themselves in football games, and they're not overlooking this one. The, the Huskers aren't by any means. No, and we shouldn't. We, we haven't earned, I know we've won three in a row, but we haven't earned the right to overlook anyone yet. You know, we are still very much have to be a week-to-week, -week, and it goes all the way back to what Coach Rule started when we were going to play Minnesota. It's 1-0 and this week. Right? Everything that happened in the past is great, but that's the past. None of that matters. And every game you win, the next game becomes just that much more important. That's just the way football works at any level. You know, you start putting a string of wins together, the pressure now kind of swings over to you, right? When, when, you're a, when you're a losing football team like we have been in the past or Michigan State is this year, they don't have a ton of pressure to come in and win this game, right? There's no one that's talking about in the, in the Twitter webs or wherever that's like, Michigan State could win their division, right? You hear that as a player. Nebraska's hearing that. It's impossible not to hear it. It's everywhere, right? Hey, we have a chance. We have a chance. Well, that just means this game's that much more important. Michigan State's going to come into this game trying to play the spoiler, trying to play the, the, the miracle wrecker, right? Like, hey, you guys think you're going to get a chance to division, do all these things. No, no, we're going to come and beat you, right? That's where they're at. And we're coming in with, hey, we have confidence, we have swagger, but we have to stay focused on the things that we've done well the last couple of weeks. We've got to keep growing on those. We have to clean up the things that we haven't. And, you know, this is a physical football team. They have NFL talent on that defensive line. We'll be tested up front this week. 
We just have to make sure that we take care of the football on the road. You know, we've had some issues turning the ball over on the road. You know, and when you turn the ball over on the road, it's a lot harder to overcome that than it is at home. So what, what have you seen other than the, the defensive, the NFL-type players on the defensive line? What stands out? Let's start on the defensive side of the ball with Michigan State. What are they going to try to do against the Nebraska offense? Yeah, they're, they're going to load the box. You know, they're going to try and say, yeah, that was great. You ran the, you threw the ball 12 times last week. We're going to try and make you one-dimensional, right? If that means putting a single high safety at 11 yards and bringing the strong safety or the free safety down into the box to create eight, nine-man boxes at times, they're going to try and make Harburg throw the football with this young group of wideouts, and that's what they're going to try and do. So there's a couple things we got to do there. we got to make sure that our quick passing game is going to be really good and really tight, some outs, some slants, getting Fedoni involved over the middle, and also we can take advantage to get to the edges, you know, using the speed of Malachi Coleman and Jalen Lloyd and, and Daz of some jet sweeps, some screens, some things to get guys out on the edges and allow, if you want to stack the bots, it means there's one-on-one -on -one matches outside, make one guy miss, you're going to have a lot of green grass out in front of you. So, you know, offensively, I would like to see us get to the edges a lot and then take advantage of when we can run the ball in the middle against favorable boxes, start to try and pound it back up between the A-gaps. And for the defense, it's just keep doing what you're doing, right? I mean, yeah. at this point, it, it's less about what the other team does. It's more about we're just going to do what we do. Yeah, until I see another team that can put a blueprint out there of how to attack this defense and do it effectively, don't change anything. And, you know, I think Tony White does a great job of keeping offenses on their toes. You know, I think he has a lot of the same blitzes. And when you really look at the film, you look at the study, He's not sending, quote-unquote, different blitzes, but they're coming from different personnel, and they're coming from different places on the field, right? If it's a double-edge blitz, he's having guys walk out over the, the slot receiver and then coming, and then other times they're standing right on the line of scrimmage. And one time it's Isaac Gifford, one time it's MJ Sherman. And they're just there's so many moving parts that it's really hard for an offense to get a tendency on what this defense wants to do. And I think all the way back to the spring when I interviewed Tony White before the Big Ten game, and he was like, we're going to create chaos. And he has lived up to that time and time again. And, you know, I talked to some of the other offensive linemen around the Big Ten that I, that I talked to in recruiting. They're like, man, Nebraska's defense is just, it's just so hard to game plan for because you just don't know what you're going to get. And it's a different flavor of the week every single week. And then you couple that with the fact that Ty Robinson, Nash Hutmaker, Elijah Judy, and those guys are playing really well up front. That just puts even more pressure on guys are winning when we're only rushing three and four, and then we're really winning when we're rushing five or six. And I just love watching this defense play. I love the effort that they play with. I love the tenacity that they play with. And I roastily love the execution that they're playing with. You're not seeing guys running wide open downfield. You're not seeing guys missing their gap assignments. They are playing extremely high-level football. Isaac Gifford told me last week in the Cornhusker conversation that throughout the week it's just it, it it's chaos and they're they're it's kind of um, it's a lot to take in especially he was like at the beginning but then when you get to the game it's a lot slower because they make it so crazy throughout the week and preparing and and how fast the player calls are coming and and he's he kind of joked he's like what are we doing Minnesota doesn't run a high tempo offense but but it it allowed for them to to. It, to slow down once they get on Saturday. So they, they are still just doing it throughout the week that when they get into games, it's just it's, it's, it's a lot easier, I guess. The games are easier than what they're doing throughout the week. Yeah, and when you can, you win the game during the week. It's not, it's not rocket science. It's anyone that's ever played the game of football knows that you win the game on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. How you prepare, how well you put in the work on the practice field, in the meeting room, in the film room, and understanding how to prepare 
if you can be super well prepared and nothing can surprise you when it comes to game day because you've put the extra time and effort into it during the week, that's when the game slows down and that's when you're out there just having fun because you're not on your toes. You're not on your heels. You're on your toes. You're attacking. You're moving, you're grooving, you're so confident in what you're doing. The other team's the one that has to then game plan against you versus trying to come on the sideline and going, okay, what did they just do? Have we not seen that before? What, did, what adjustments do we have to make on the fly versus come off the sideline and be like, hey, that was great, keep doing that. We're going to tweak this a little bit so that we can get after him on this front. And, you know, that just is a testament to Tony White. Terrence Knight and all these defensive staff guys that just how well and how much time they put into the preparation piece for this black shirt defense. All right, three biggest keys for the Huskers to pick up another road win in conference play at Michigan State. I'm going to guess you can guess number one. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go ahead and let you take a stab at number one, Jess. What, what do you think number one is? Is it run the football? Take care of the football. Oh, take yeah, well, take, yeah. take care, care of the football. The yes. football. <laughs> like, that's got to be priority number one. It's going to be priority number one until we have a zero turnover game. And once we have a zero turnover game, then I will change my number one key. But until then, take care of the football. Um, number two is going to be control the time of possession. You know, control the time of possession. And that's twofold of running the football really well and converting third downs. And those things go hand in hand because if you run the ball well, you put yourself in third and manageable. So I think controlling the time of possession is going to be really big here. And then on the third thing is um, I went back and forth on what I want to do here. I want to give some love to the special teams. But I don't think I can do it. Uh, defense, defense, sack the quarterback. Right? I think this is a football team that has been giving up a lot of sacks. They haven't been very good up front on the offensive side of the ball. So I think this is a time for Ty Robinson, Nash Huntmaker, those guys to get after the quarterback and have a four or five sack type game. Listen, the special teams still night I, nightmares the last time Nebraska was at East Lansing. I don't don't remind me. I was standing right there screaming, right, right. <laughs> No, nope, I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, so I thought you were going to go with special teams, but no, I like I it. I like I those keys. I can't do it. Hey, in honor of Halloween, I just got a Halloween question for you. We, we always talk about candy. You're a Reese's guy, and, mm. um, but, and you also like pretty much all candy. But um, scariest defensive player for Nebraska? Nash Hutmaker. I think, I think he is the polar bear is by far the most consistent playmaker and the most consistent guy of showing up on tape. When you pop the tape, you know, every time you're seeing zero, running after the football, pushing the pocket, eating up double teams, making tackles, he is the scary Terry of whatever this defense is. And he is kind of a linchpin right there in the center of it all, allowing for Reimer and Bullock and Hendricks to run all over the field and make all kinds of tackles because of how much he's just wearing it up front and his conditioning level i thought's been fantastic this year the amount of snaps you're asking a very large human to play and to continue to play at a high level he is by far the scariest player on our defense i, I guess i should have asked one of our weekly questions players to watch for this one. Oh, that's a good one um i think oh, gosh i wanted to the old line obviously um you know, I think Evan Jenkins, Lutovsky, Teddy Prohaska, how they handle the silent snap is going to be really important because you're going to have to now operate off of a clap or a leg lift or and get used to that timing of Ben Scott when you haven't done that yet. Right? There's a timing piece that comes into it when you play center in the silent cadence of head bob, head turn, the clap, whatever it might be, making sure we're not jumping off sides, making sure we're not late off the ball. You know, that's going to be something to watch early in the game of how this young offensive line adjusts to the silent count. And then in the back end, I think Malcolm Hartsog is due for a pick. 
you know, I think he's due for, for a pick here to take one back and have a big return. He's been close a few times now. I, I want to see Malcolm Hartsock take the football away. All right. Well, have fun trick-or-treating. Absolutely. Your, your kids are kind of getting to the age where it's really fun, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I put Oliver to bed last night, and he was like, one more sleep till Halloween. <laughs> and I was like, yes, buddy, one more sleep. Go are you going to have to, like, limit his candy? Does he get pretty hyper? He doesn't get hyper, but I'm not going to feed him a Snickers bar at 9 p.m. So, yeah, I think we're going to start trick-or-treating at, like, 5.30, so that hopefully we can have him in bed by, like, 8, 8.30. What's so that is the What's his favorite candy, then? We know yours. Any, What's his? Anything. Any? That, that kid will eat anything. That's an offensive line in, lineman in training, right? Yeah, yeah. My wife wants to be a tight end, and I was like, honey, uh, you know, you see these hands. You've seen how I catch the football. You played soccer with your feet. I don't think the genetics are there for a tight end, so we shall see. It's <laughs> oh, awesome. All right, well, enjoy it. Have fun with the fam, and we'll talk to you next week. Again, I said it last week. Maybe we'll have four in a row to talk about next week. Absolutely. Go Big Red. All right, for Jeremiah Searles, I'm Jessica Cootie. Thanks for listening to The Sideline Slice, brought to you by Valentino's Pizza, the official pizza of the Huskers.